So we saw this morning the devil's offensive attack against the kingdom of God. And it wasn't imagined. What, I, what, it was, what was taught this morning was all Bible, biblically sound teaching, sound doctrine. Tonight also will be sound doctrine and will help you maybe, this is a companion message to that, what I spoke about. It's Christ's six steps in devastation or devastating the devil's kingdom. Christ Jesus has devastated the devil, devastated him, hurt him. Our arch enemy is a toothless lion roaring, but unable to devour its prey if you're in Christ. The love of God, that is Jesus. By the way, Jesus is the love of God. He is the physical expression of the love of God has been crucified, buried, and resurrected. He has conquered death in the grave. He has suffered enough to satisfy and substitute for every sin that's ever been committed if they would repent and believe. His blood was sufficient to cause justice to put down his sword. He brought back the title deed of the earth with all those inhabitants that will believe by simple childlike faith and be saved. Now, whosoever will may come. Those are not vain words. Those are not mocking words. Whosoever will may come and eat at God's table. You know, the first thing after the when we have the rapture, we're going to get together and be judged before the judgment seat of Christ. And after that, eventually in the 19th chapter of Revelation, we're going to have the marriage supper of the Lamb. God's into eating. Hello? Jesus ate. He ate after the resurrection. He did. He ate after the resurrection. You have some fish? He ate after the resurrection. Eating is part of God. God's not against enjoying stuff. God is against enjoying illicit things. He don't want you to get, he don't want you to eat at the devil's table. And so the devil, all he serves is, uh, False sweeteners, NutraSweet, aspartame. That's all he serves. God serves real honey, real sugar. Amen. I hope you don't eat aspartame. I just saw a big article on aspartame. They think it one of the reasons why there's so many Down syndrome children. When I was a young man and up through my up through twenties, we didn't know anybody had a Down syndrome child. Nobody. And a lot of these old people right now are doing this. That's, they got the same experience. And something, I kept telling my wife when all these people were starting to have these Down syndrome children, I said, there's something, they're, in, they're eating or drinking, something's going on. Because it was just too big. And now they think they've focused down. It's a big study, university. They think, in fact, I think it's University of Florida, Doc, said aspartame. So you people that are drinking aspartame, it won't make you have the Down syndrome, but if you have babies, they say it could contribute to the babies having Down syndrome. So yeah, as a young person, I would, I'd rather be fat. But God wants us to eat at his table. Well, I don't think we're going to be worrying about calories. I do think there's got to be some ribeye there maybe. I don't know. By faith, we partake of the sacrifice that will cleanse the soul from any 
and of any sinner from any sin. Satisfy the hunger for truth and righteousness and life. Then go on, Then after we do that and when we're born from above, we get to go out and tell everybody that Jesus saves, Jesus saves. The way to heaven has been open. The, the ground is level at the cross. There's no rich people. There are no poor people. There are no smart people. There are no dumb people. The level, the ground is level at the cross. Everybody has to come to Jesus as a sinner needing salvation and repentance. We all get, we all come the same. Humbly believe and receive what, what, what we lost in the Garden of Eden. Since, the, since before the world was created, God knew man would fall given a choice. It did not surprise God when Eve partook of the fruit and Adam partook of the fruit. It didn't surprise him at all. He knew before the foundation of the world that was going to happen. Uh, Adam believed the lie. He found out he was wrong in a hard way. He was hopelessly corrupted and alienated. What was to be done? What was to be done? The earth was was, uh, cast into the curse. I I think a tear had to appear in God's eye, when he took that beautiful world he made, and everything got along, and everything was beautiful, and got along, it was magnificent, and he had to, because of their disobedience, had to cast them into a curse, where everything fought each other, everything was dying, there was pain everywhere, there was sorrow everywhere. That's the world tonight. That's the world tonight. Had to give him a tear to do it, but he had to do it. I want to show you tonight six clear epic-making movements that Christ did to devastate, right out of the Bible, to devastate the devil himself first. Oh, that's fancy. That's fancy. How about that? If you're taking notes, I did that. I'm doing that for you if you want to take notes. Genesis 3.15, as we spoke about, there's a little bit of overlap on this. We spoke about this morning. I'll put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed, and it will bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. The seed was Christ, of course, who was coming. Before the foundation of the world, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 19 20 says, But with the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb without blemish and without spot, who was verily foreordained before the foundation of the world, what was manifest in these last times for you. I believe this prophecy of Genesis 3.15 was around the year 4004. You say, can you get that close to creation? Yes, I believe the world is just a little over 6,000 years. There was a book written of it's about that, about, that, about that long, about that thick. I mean, a big old book. Man gave his whole life going back through the Old Testament, calculating the years through the, through the uh, genealogies and and he came up with 4,004 to the best of his understanding. And he's got the best understanding of anybody I ever knew that did it. 4,004 would have been creation time. So not long after 4,004, this Genesis 3.15, the first mention of the Gospels I mentioned this morning was said. Jesus testified of himself in Luke chapter 24, verse 44. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled. That is Genesis 3.15 and any other things that he had spoken, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Christ, first of all, resolved that he was going to come 
and die for our sins before the foundation of the world. Secondly, we see Christ resisting in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 11. I'm not going to go through the specifics of that. I did a little bit this morning more specifically, but then I'll, I'll get into some areas we were not in this morning. The devil had failed to stop him with his many plans and devices from all the way from Genesis 3.15 to Matthew 4, as I spoke about this morning. He now realizes he's in trouble, in deep trouble. The mighty devil, Satan, Lucifer, the epitome of beauty and music is threatened making him very uncomfortable. The tormentor is feeling the cold sweat of being tormented himself. The devil begins to throw all he has at Jesus in Matthew 4, the lust of flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, and he fails. He fails. He knew he was in trouble at the temptation of Christ, and so Christ resisted him. Then we see, thirdly, we see Christ repulsing Luke chapter 11, verse 20 and 22, if you want to look it up. Jesus said, but if I, with the finger of God, cast out devils, demons, no doubt the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, he, he taketh from him all his armor, wherein he trusted and divided his spoils. When Jesus walked among this earth, did you know the response of the demons? Did you kind of pick that up as you read through the Gospels? <clears throat> they did not challenge him. They ran to him, fell down on his feet, and begged him not to cast him out or not to send him into the abyss. Uh, and they called him reverently, reverent names, the Holy One of Israel. They used biblical... And you say... Whoa, they saw something the apostles didn't see. That's right. They could see and knew who this was. This was actually God manifest in the flesh like the Bible says he was. They had a very clear understanding of who he was. Jesus defeated Satan at every battle. The devil could not even protect his own or their property as Christ marched through the land during his life on earth. Demons bowed in terror. He had come to torment them and cast them into the abyss. So we see Christ resolving in chapter 3, verse 15. We see Christ resisting in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. We see Christ repulsing in Luke chapter 11, verse 20 through 22. Fourthly, we see Christ ridiculing in the book of Colossians, chapter 2, verse 14, 15. And you being dead in your sins... And the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. May I pause there and say, have you forgiven yourself? You say, Brother Bill, some people don't seem to be able to get that they're, they always go around with this guilty conscience on past things that cannot be changed that have been repented of. If you've repented of your sins, he's cleansed you from all unrighteousness. We have to accept that. And then here's another irony. When your husband or a wife does something against you, you won't forgive them, yet Christ has forgiven you everything. We have to forgive people. 
I mean, you say, well, I just can't. I'm just not that kind of person. You need to get to be that kind of person. Well, I, I, you don't know me, preacher. I just, I got, I can hold grudges. Well, you better get over holding grudges. Because Jesus said in Matthew 17, I forgive you like you forgive. Well, he said in the Lord's the prayer, he taught his disciples. They called the Lord's prayer. It's really not. It's disciples' prayer. Forgive me my trespasses as I forgive those who trespass against me. One thing in the life people have done me, they've done me wrong. You just have to say, I, I forgive them. Tonight, as you think through your mind and all the people, maybe you had a parent that did you wrong. Maybe you've had a brother or sister that did you wrong. I mean, bad wrong. I mean, hideous wrong. Forgive them all. Forgive them all. And when you bow your knees before the Lord Jesus Christ, you say, there's nobody I haven't forgiven. Lord, please forgive me. Because I think we'd have the daily as born-again believers, even though our sins are gone, we have to wash our feet every day. We walk into the world. I believe we confess our sins. He's faithful and just forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I think that's just a daily cleansing. I bathe, I try to bathe every day. Thank you, Brother Bill. I hope Chris bathes every day. And, and Thomas, that's one of the prerequisites to working with me. You know? We begin to stink after a while if we don't. So we see in verse 14, let me pick that up, blotting out the handwritings and ordinances that was against us. And there was plenty of them. All you've got to do is read the Old Testament law of Moses, which were contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to, the, to, his, to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Now think about this. Christ didn't just beat them. He triumphed over them, and he made it public that the, that the dragons had his teeth pulled. He still can make noise. He still can go up and down to earth. He still can move around, but, he, but his power has actually been broken. The power of Christ broke the power of the evil one. Man, Christ resisted him and has, and has done many things. The devil pulls out all your affairs. When you go before the devil, how do you know the devil comes by? Somebody comes by you and begins to say something to you. How do you know who's talking to you, the devil or God? Well, here's some of the hint. If somebody comes around you and begins to uh, pull old offenses out that uh, they know that you've committed and, and accuse you of those things that you've long repented of, that's not God. Once God forgives you, it's over. Forgotten. Behind his back, far as the east is from the west. The devil is the one that wants to make you feel guilty for forgiven sins. That is the biggest, it's epidemic among God's people that they go around feeling guilty of things that are already resolved. They're already under the blood. Now, I'm not saying you get cocky. I'm not, that, to me, that would humble, that humbles me to know that God's forgiven me of the wickedness that I've committed through life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for forgiving me. Is there any in this room that could stand up and said, I've not sinned. When the adulterous woman was brought before Jesus and said, he, he used that, he said, he that is without sin cast the first stone. The Bible says they went, down, they went away from the oldest to the youngest. Why? The oldest had more, more record of sins. They had more reminder of sin. Finally, the young guy even said, well, yeah, I've done some wrong too. He threw his stone down. The devil pulls out all your offenses written by the law of God. He uses God's law against us. How can you beat that? Because I'll be honest with you, when I go through the law of God, the Ten Commandments, I'm guilty of them all. 
not an actual doing of physically necessarily, but in as Jesus brought out in the in the book of Matthew, I've broken the spirit of them. Man, oh man. Over and over. I'm guilty on all counts. But Christ Jesus wiped out my record. Christ Jesus expunged it. Christ Jesus expiated our sins. Christ Jesus propitiated our sins. Christ Jesus washed them away. The devil cannot read them against us anymore. He can't see them anymore. He looks at Bill Itell's docket and is filled with the righteousness of Christ. Amen? Listen, if you don't get happy on this, you need to go home, I tell you. He looks at your sins, calls your name out, brings you accusation before God. There's not one record under Bill Lytell of one missed deed. Wait a minute, the devil yells. I know he's sinned. I got a whole list of things that he's done wrong. No. No, I lost my page. Wait a minute, I got to find this page I'm missing. You don't want to lose that whole page, do you? No, this is a good page right here. He said, the devil yells us, Bill, I tell sinned all kinds of ways. I was there. I helped tempt him to do it. And he gladly agreed to do it, by the way, when I tempted him. God the Father looks over to Jesus, and I'm, I'm making this up. I don't know the specifics of this, but somehow it has to happen. And in, in, the, in the things, this is man's view of this, I suppose. And God Father would look over to Jesus, and Jesus holds his nails, pierced hands up, and says, I died for him. The Father's gavel hits onto the, onto the judgment seat and said, proclaims, Bill Lytell is blameless. Hello. I'm not bragging in Bill Lytell. I'm bragging about the Lord Jesus of Bill Lytell. I'm bragging about the power of the salvation that has been given to you and been given to me. Don't you let the devil make you cry yourself to sleep over past sins that have been forgiven. I know David said my sin is ever before me. I get it. That's because your brain won't let it go. By the grace of God, when the devil comes by and whispers in my ear, oh, you're a no good wicked, I say, yes, I am, but I'm under the blood of Christ. The fifth step Christ used in devastating the devil is Christ releasing. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, 15. For as much then as children are partakers of the flesh and blood, he also likewise partook, took part of the same, that through death, he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. But verse 15, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. You say people don't fear death. Oh, yes, they do. Even born-again Christians, death is not something happy. It's not something you're looking forward to going through. Hey, look, I'm looking forward to going to heaven. I'm not looking forward to dying. I've seen dying. I've seen some dying. It's not happy. It's not pleasant. It's a sad time. Yea, David said, though I walk through the valley, and I loved what he said, the shadow of death. It's just a shadow, but a shadow can scare you if you're not careful. Shadow go by your 
a window or something go by, a shadow can bother you, think, but it's not real. The devil comes to try to harass us and scare us, but you go to the Bible, you people that memorize those verses, oh, blessed a day it is when you know the Bible when the devil comes by. You can start quoting him scripture and say, yes, you may say that, but here's what the Bible says about it. And it won't be long. The Bible says, submit yourself. This is the Bible itself, James 4, 7. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. What's that? You quote him scripture, right? You quote him some Bible. And what's he do? He flees from you. He leaves you. That's a good way for people have called me up and said, Brother Bill, the devil's harassing me. I'm having trouble. And I said, you got to memorize scripture. There's no shortcut. There is no shortcut. you got to either... Go over the, pour over the scriptures. If you don't have them exactly memorized, at least memorize the content of the verse and be able to quote it back to the old evil one when he comes by. I'm forever released. Man, that's something to be happy about. Say, Brother Brown, I'm struggling with depression. I can help you. Think about how you've been forgiven of your sin. Think about how Jesus has washed your record white as snow. Bigger than that, think about how he's given you his righteousness. You know, the Bible says we're blameless, and uh, uh, it says a lot of good things. It says blameless. <laughs> Unreprovable. It's coming to me. Unreprovable in his sight. Unreprovable. Man, if I had my mom and dad up here on stage, I'd say, Mom, Dad, am I unreprovable? They'd say, not in a million years, boy. You did this, you did that. Well, they know all the stuff. But by the grace of God, when I get to the judgment seat of Christ, my sins are gone, 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 gone. Yes, my sins are gone. Buried in the deepest sea, and in my heart's a song. The prisoners of death, hell, and the grave that trust in Christ for salvation are ultimately and finally released. And Paul cries out by the Holy Spirit, which was really from also the Old Testament. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? All our lifetime we have been held subject to bondage. Death loomed over us, threatened us, harassed us in our dreams at night. But we're forever released. Sometimes when we were diving, uh, you want to you want to get fear wants to come, okay? You're diving. We do we do average about ten tanks, eight to ten tanks a day, and in all kinds of muddy water. Sometimes visibility five, six, eight inches. It was terrible, but there were lobster there. It was worth it. And so you would sit on the edge of the boat, and the water was dirty, and maybe you saw, maybe you had seen just before you went down a shark in that area, you know, and you'd say, man, you know, there'd be something inside you saying. You know, be afraid, be scared. And I'd say, by my God, I ran through a troop. By my God, I've leapt over a wall. Put my regulator in and go in. I'm not going to let fear rule my life. Don't you, people afraid of spiders. I don't know one person that's been killed by a spider. People afraid of mice. I haven't known one person that a mouse is killed. People afraid of the craziest things. They're afraid of the craziest things. Man, don't you let fear damage you that way and restrict you that way. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. 
And sixthly, in Christ's devastation of the devil, we see in the process of devastation of the devil, we see Christ removing. Found in Revelation chapter 20, verse 10, one of my favorite places of all the Bible. I taught down through verse 10 a week ago or so. And the devil which deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. The devil was warned in Genesis 3.15. The devil was resisted in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 11. He was plundered in Luke chapter 11, verse 20 through 22. He was made an open shame in Colossians 2, verse 13 and 15. He was destroyed and his slaves released in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. And finally, what a day this will be for creation when he's finally removed entirely and taken out of the way. Finally, at the end of the millennial period, he's going to be He'll be released for a while, then finally cast into hell. Never to be seen of again. Never to be known again. Never to be thought about again. All his beauty, all his power, all his fame is gone. And for all those that follow him, it's the same. Frank Sinatra, what good to do that you were famous? That you had a voice people liked to hear, that you were that you were uh rich. Wherever you went, people said, Hey, look who that is. It was but a it's over. He lived, he came, it's gone. It's over. When you think of all that you've done, wherever you've traveled, whatever you've seen, it's just a memory. It's just a memory. When you die, what good is all that if it's not done for Christ? Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. What a poem. Cheer up, you saints of God. There's nothing to worry about. Nothing to make you feel afraid. Nothing to make you doubt. Remember, Jesus never fails, so why don't you trust him and shout? You'll be sorry you're worried at all tomorrow morning. That song is so old, they don't even know when it was written or where, how, how old it could be. It could be a thousand years old. Nobody knows. That's an old, old song. The final devastation of the devil is finally complete in Revelation. And here's an added tip that you and I will be there as children of God to see it. To see it. You remember when you were taught about it out of the Bible. You remember, you remember that you read about it in the Word of God. But you'll be there to see it. The old devil, the deceiver of the whole world, will be thrown and cast away and encapsulated without him able to influence anything anymore. 
And finally, after such a long time, so many heartaches, so many, so much pain, all those things, the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. Heaven could not be heaven if you remember all the stuff back here. But what about this? I get, I get a kick out of people. They'll say, oh, well, I remember my mother. if She was lost. No. My biblical guess is you'll not remember she existed. If you could, you'd be crying in heaven knowing that she's in hell. You can't have bad thoughts. You're not going to have bad thoughts like that. You say, but it's my mom. Yes, it was your mom. She lived a life. She made choices, and she's going to live up to her choices just like you live up to your choices. We're not going to spend our eternity grieving and pining away for people that aren't there. God can't let that happen. Heaven would not be heaven. We go on to serve the Lord Christ in whatever he wants us to do. And I don't think heaven's going to be out. We're on a cloud, you know, playing some harp, you know, and all this stuff. That's not heaven. You know what heaven is? Work. I don't hear anything. I don't hear anything. Before the fall, God gave us work. Keep the garden. He could have made a garden that kept itself, but the garden, even the Garden of Eden didn't keep itself. It had to be kept, whatever that means, trimming. Maybe the trees overgrew. They needed to be trimmed. They needed to be pruned. Maybe the grass needed to be mowed. I don't know what exactly it was, but he said, keep the garden. Take care of the garden. It's your garden. Work is of God. Work is a blessing. Work gives you purpose. Work gives you satisfaction. It's so deep, sin can't even come close to it. Sin gives you a quick thrill, then punishes you for it. But when you do something and you work, you can sit back and have the satisfaction that you've contributed something good to this world. That's why the Bible says, whatsoever you do, do with all your heart. Do heartily as unto the Lord, as not unto man. You're a plumber, be the best plumber can be possible. Uh, use the best materials, never shortcut. If you're a carpenter, do the best carpentry you possibly can. Do it like literally the Lord Jesus himself has commanded you to do it or given you the opportunity to do it. When I laid floor covering, I didn't lay floor covering for Bendeley Carpet Gallery or for Mayfield's Carpet Gallery or for Belk Simpson Carpet Gallery, some of the people I work for. I laid carpet for the Lord Jesus Christ himself. That way you don't steal anything. You don't, you don't steal a dime. Why? It would be, you'd be like stealing from God. The Lord will bless you. Like he did Joseph, he'll bless the work of your hands. I'll give you a blessing so much you won't be able to contain it. That's where I'm at. My wife said the other day, you want to clean the tool room up? My tool room, it looks like a disaster area, but I know where everything's at. I know where everything's at. I haven't moved in 25 years, and the next move I make will be vertical. And I'm going to leave that old nasty tool room for Troy. We'll just let Andrea get in there and just go do a... 
Let me tell you, you don't get rich by seeking riches. If you seek riches, they take wings and fly away. If you don't seek it and seek God and he can trust you with it, he'll give you some stuff. But ultimately, you got to leave it for your kids and relatives or whatever anyways. It's not going to be yours to keep. May God help us. And all those things right back there, Christ did right out of the Bible in devastating the devil. Father, thank you tonight for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the Bible. May the Lord Jesus, you come to us. Help us to be, help us not to be deceived. Help us to know the Word of God where we, we, we know clearly what, what's right and what's wrong. We pray, God, some of the young people in our church here, they're right in our throes. The devil loves young people. They love ignorance. The devil loves ignorance. He'll try to take young people and try to sell them a bill of goods. Oh, God, help them that they're not deceived. In Jesus' name. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.